Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. The Britflix Fright Fest Preview Podcast. Welcome to another Britflix Podcast Fright Fest. I would say preview, but we're now after Fright Fest. So this is me catching up with a filmmaker I didn't get a chance to speak to during August. So welcome, Natasha Kamani, writer-director of Imitation Girl. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to talk to you. Yes, because sadly, I ran out of time before I was speaking to, uh, I can't pronounce her name either. I'm getting terrible at names today. The, the, the woman looking after your PR was, was uh, there. Kayla. Kayla, Kayla. yeah. There was, there, was a, there, was a, there was a delay between me getting the kind of, yeah, we'll do it. And I was like, I've run out of time. So I'm glad we've got to do this. Same here. Thank you. So for those, for those that didn't get a chance to see it, um, do you want to give us a synopsis as to what Imitation Girl's about? For sure. So um, we're actually one of the genre outliers. We're a science fiction film starring Lauren Ashley Carter, who actually plays two roles. She plays um, an alien who crashes down to Earth and takes the form of the first thing that it sees, which is a magazine cover. And so one storyline kind of follows the alien's experiences and the other one follows the story of the girl uh, whose image she takes. So it's basically two intertwining stories and they meet in the end. And that's, that's a really simple way of describing something that's, that, that's, <laughs> that's, that's a lot less simple. Um, only in the sense, only in the sense as, as, as to how it pans out and how you get to that, that resolution. Um, so as you wrote this script, as well as, as directed the movie, do you want to, do you want to give us um, a sense of, where how how you begin to conceive something that's sort of that's that's playing with sci-fi in the sense yeah. of how we arrive with the imitation girl but mm-hmm. then but then moves into something very different i think it said so we'll get into that as we go but do you want to start off with where where it started yeah. for you as an idea yeah absolutely i mean i think i wanted to do something that really explored structure um I just was really fascinated by this idea of exploring two sides of a single identity. So uh, sort of taking the time to explore both the yin and the yang of a single person um, sort of expressed through this genre setup. So, um, you know, I I grew up loving science fiction. A lot of short films I've done have been science fiction. Um, It's just kind of a world, a playground that I love to play in. Um, so for me, that was kind of the, the way into, um, telling the story and really an exploration of identity, nature, nurture, um, you know, the two, again, like exploring, um, both sides of the coin of, of identity of a single person. Um, and then from there, it kind of developed, um, I had been working with Lauren, uh, Ashley Carter for, 
about a year, I think we'd been doing some short form work. And I just knew that, um, that she was, she was going to be the face of this, of these two people. Uh, and from there, it, it kind of grew and I knew I wanted to build a story out of contrasts. Um, so that kind of was the, the seed and, uh, and I knew where it ended. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I knew and then we kind of, I kind of worked backwards from there. And yeah, it's, it's interesting you say it, it was sort of, uh, sort of an exercise in, in structure as much as anything else, because it's very much like watching two films simultaneously. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that actually, um, I'm, I'm a musician as well. And I think, um, you know, this is, this is an opportunity when you're doing a small film to do something, I think a little bit more experimental. Um, you have, you know, kind of fewer pressures. There's no studio looming over you. Um, you know, you can really kind of express yourself and, and truly explore what the medium has to offer. Um, so I, I was always kind of fascinated by, telling a story almost more like a musical composition with two themes, you know, a, a harmony, a counter harmony counterpoint. And um, so that, that's kind of the, the structural um, approach, I suppose. Um, yeah. If that answers your question, that's <laughs> kind of a big answer, but um, we, we basically wanted to do something nonlinear. And the, the second part of that is um, actually logistics where we knew that we could basically make two films and uh, separate them, and that would actually help us make this film at the at the the level of quality that we wanted to with the small budget and resources that limited resources that we have. So, mm-hmm. uh, essentially, approaching it basically as two kind of long short films, essentially, um, and they're actually separated by about six months. So. Um, Lauren had about six months between the performances and we had about six months to reset and go move forward into the second story. So very unconventional, <laughs> um, but again, kind of conceived that way from the beginning um, in a marriage of, you know, wanting to do something a little bit more expressionistic, experimental, and also addressing the logistics and uh, what we had available to us. So so it was it written as the two things or... Was it was did you write the the story of this imitation girl or this this glamour model and then do the other one? They're they're written as two. So I, I basically um so my my process with writing is is to do a pretty detailed outline uh, mm-hmm. breakdown um, yeah. sort of big, I call them maps. So I sort of uh, I'm very visual. I kind of need to see it. <laughs> that makes so, sense. Uh, yeah, I kind of mapped out the two stories. So they're two separate maps basically. Um, and uh, I actually haven't talked about this too much, but in the original conception of the story, uh, one of the storylines actually moved backwards. So um, the alien storyline actually started at the end and then moved backwards um, in a very nonlinear way while being intertwined with the New York City scene. Mm. So it was it was really out there. Um, so I wrote it forward and then kind of re, you know, repositioned it to be backwards and then intertwined the scenes from there. So yes, they were totally written as two uh, kind of complete stories with a, with a, with the little third uh, epilogue section that was written together, obviously when they meet at the end. So the, the sort of bringing together as we see the film was part of the editing process then rather than the screenwriting process. Have I understood that right? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, it, it was really interesting. I mean, That's I think- amazing. 
It is, it is. Um, and I, I, I just have to really give so many thanks to the team. I mean, my team and I have been working together really since we, we all went to NYU together, the film school. And, uh, okay. so there's just a lot of trust. There's a lot of respect there. And we kind of, um, we did find the film to a degree, um, as all films are found, you know, and finally, <laughs> uh, in the edit suite, um, together with my editor, Gabe, uh, Diriasta, who's also an incredible filmmaker. Um, we kind of pieced it back together. And of course, things got re kind of shuffled. The chunks kind of moved around. Once we see it played out, no, we actually need a little more time here, etc. Um, but yeah, the end, the end was pretty much locked from the beginning and the end never really changed. Okay. So it was more kind of how we got there that, uh, and, and nothing huge. I'd say maybe, you know, two minutes here, a minute there, more or less we stuck to the, uh, the original breakdown. Okay. No, that's, that's, I mean, it, it, having seen the film, it kind of makes a lot of sense that that's how you get to what you've got. But from, I mean, as someone that, that does screenwriting, it's sort of, it, there's a magic in, in, in the final thing as well, because I can't imagine how you would, how you, how you, you would write that as a linear piece. Right. No, it was definitely written as two pieces and then, and then pieced together. Definitely. So in terms of that challenge then to, to, to shoot essentially two long short films, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. What, what, what were your experiences in terms of the, in terms of the, I guess, I guess the story challenge is in that because you're, you're kind of almost predicting rather than guaranteeing what fits together, aren't you? In some sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I think uh, once you piece it, so there was a script, there was a script that was about 80 pages long. That was the two pieces put together. Okay. Um, so when you read that, you definitely got a close. So that, for example, is the script that went out to the actors. Um, you know, and then we just explained, this is, these are the pages. This is the story that you're in. This is the story she's in. And we okay. just labeled it storyline A, storyline B. So there was a script that you could read through and definitely understand the flow um, and there is, there is a matching of their journeys that is, that is more or less linear, act one, act two, act three. Mm-hmm. Um, in that way, the flow did happen. Uh, but, but absolutely. I mean, I think there's a looseness to independent filmmaking that is both terrifying and <laughs> very special. Um, and this is a great example of it. You know, it, it's just, it is, it is something that you're going to find along the way. It's not like you have a client, you know, we do a lot of commercial work and every single step is completely fully realized, no surprises, et cetera, et cetera. So this is a completely different way of approaching uh, how to put a story together, um, if that makes sense. <laughs> and makes, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, and that's part of the joy of independent filmmaking, I think, where you can find it as you go. I was going to say, so do you, want to give, do you want to give us an example of where that freedom to react to what you found as opposed to deliver what's been asked for came about in the movie? In the making yeah, of absolutely. absolutely. I mean, I think um, I think part of it as well is um, is is working with your team. So sort of going. So we shot the first section first in New Mexico, mm-hmm. and uh, we again, like I said, we had about five six months in between. During that time, we were actually able to edit together that section, which uh, I think ran, you know, I think it was like 37 minutes or something like that. So you basically have this 40 minute film, which we can then all sit down and we can watch together and we can say, okay, maybe this scene doesn't need to be like this, or maybe we can rewrite this so it fits a little bit better into the other section here. And that's, that's like such an unusual um, thing to be able to do to look at something that's more or less cut together. Um, 
you know, and then say, oh, this scene isn't necessary anymore, you know? Um, okay, okay. So, yeah, yeah, stuff like that, which was really cool and very unusual. Now, an, an obvious part of the film is is the starring role, given it's two completely different roles. Um, yeah. And you said, you said you'd already worked with Lauren Ashley Carter, who... And for the listener, um, the elder sister in The Woman, uh, the lead in Jugface, uh, if help people recognise that. Um, what was was it you were working with her working up to this, or was was that was this an opportunity that came about as a result of working with her? Oh, it was totally a result of working with her. Um, yeah, I mean, she she and I met through a friend, and and you know, we just always talk about projects and. Uh, I always knew that, you know, I was, I was approaching the time when I was going to be ready to do my first feature. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we had been working together for a long time and she's just really one of the, the most amazing talents, um, that I have had the pleasure of working with. Um, and I've worked with some really amazing people. Um, she's just able to really carry a piece, um, in this case, carry it twice. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, no. So, so it was written for her to a degree, um, you know, definitely with her in mind. Uh, and I just knew she'd be up to the task. You know, she, she had to learn another language. We worked with the choreographer, uh, you know, to get the movement of the alien, you know, all of these things, um, that I knew she was going to be able to, to do, you know, and, and be professional and just knock it out of the park. So absolutely, uh, written for her in that way. Now, from 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 an aesthetic point of view, uh, the sort of differences between the two characters that she plays, the Julianne Fox and the and the Imitation Girl, there's mm-hmm. the, you know from from it, there's just you know different hair, slightly different eyebrows as far as I could tell or whatever. But obviously mm-hmm. you're directing her to play do two very different roles, and obviously right. given given you 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 did these journeys to two different timelines, how, how did she go about sort of? directing someone to do the same person to two, two different, two very different roles. How did that conversation work? <laughs> um, well, we, we, we never really um, treated it as though it was one person. Um, we definitely, I, I think that she is so present as an actor and as with all film actors, they bring so much of themselves. I think that that aspect was there inherently. Mm-hmm. So we really worked on, um, approaching the two characters again, as though it was two separate, um, two separate stories, two separate movies, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the, the alien, for example, um, what we worked on tended to be a little bit more physical in nature. Um, her, she's, she's really is a simplistic creature, you know, and basically the, the direction for that whole section really boiled down to, you know, you're a sponge. You just want to soak everything in. You want to learn everything you can experience everything you can. And from there, it was more about having the other players kind of move around her and give her different kind of stimuli to react to. Um, so, and again, that was much more of a physical role. She's in the desert for a lot of it. Um, so, so that approach was completely different from the other character, which is actually a much more intellectual approach where we have a very specific backstory. We have, you know, what is her prehistory moving into this moment where we catch up with her? Why is she acting this way? What is, what is her, what is this kind of core conflict that she's dealing with, which is actually very complicated and and modern and complex. So, you know, they couldn't have been more different. No, (laughs) no, 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 sure, sure. And, and, and and something that I, I I mean, I may, it was only what I saw. No, I'm not claiming to be right or wrong. Um, I I love the idea of the, um, the way, the way you have this, 
this person who is the blank canvas and is just basically becoming who they are by coming who they are by what they come in contact with and mm-hmm. are not defined by whatever happened before. They're just being exactly. in the moment and being exactly. in the moment gives them life. Whereas yeah. Julianne Fox is the opposite, where her everything she's done before is determining what she'll do in the future because as, as we are all humans, you and I cannot be astro- astronauts tomorrow because we've made certain right. decisions and equally... Julian Fox says, I guess I'm saying glam. I mean, I guess is she, is she, is she a porno star? I guess is that what she's famous as? Is that what, is yeah, that? yeah. Some which, sort of which, adult. Which, yeah, which, which, which gives, gives her, shuts a few doors in terms of how society might judge her in terms of opportunities that will give you in the future. Yeah. Uh, and I yeah. thought that was really, that was a really, a really interesting way to look at two characters because that's just, that's a very human story, isn't it? Never mind your kind of sci fi element where these two, personalities are eventually going to come together to resolve itself but just that drama in of itself of watching someone who desperately is 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 trying to escape what has dissatisfied her but which is like you know anybody's anybody's life pans out in a not always as a neat plan does it yeah and what's really hard about it i think is that is when you face the fact that we are ultimately responsible for our own path. Um, you know, if you believe in free will, then (laughs) you kind of have to accept where you are and, um, you know, to be trapped in that, in that, that, uh, sort of cycle of, uh, of where she is, I think is, is where she's trying, she's always trying to get out, right. She's always Mm. trying to be somewhere else, be someone else, transform herself. Um, and it's, it's, exactly the opposite of what the alien is experiencing. And one thing that I think is important um, that I think Lauren does so beautifully uh, going to the alien, to the imitation is that we, I I didn't want to tell a story about reclaiming your childhood, right. Or going Mm -hmm. back to the innocence of being a child. That is not what this is about. This is about something a little bit more, um, you know, philosophical, I guess, but more about your ego and what your ego used could have been or is when you take away all of the bullshit, right? All of the stuff that we've trained ourselves into, the influences that have sort of affected us, et cetera, et cetera. So something that was really important when working with Lauren was just to keep reminding ourselves she is not like a little girl. She should not feel immature in that way or like a, uh, a, a little girl in a grown person's body. That is not what we're doing. What we're doing is something that, is, like you said, is, is coming from a completely um, other place. So just completely fresh, completely new. And, um, you know, this is this is a being that's maybe millions of years old. You know, we don't know. It's just mm. it's exists with a desire to experience, to learn, to engage. Um, And in the end, I I think what makes this actually an optimistic film is uh, the the imitation actually brings the girl away. So you actually have this opportunity to reunite with your id, your ego, whatever it is, Mm. and go back to that place of possibility, of sort of unlimited possibility that you're not trapped you know you can you can change fuck it if you want to be an astronaut find a way you know yeah yeah, so, yeah. so that's kind of why i think ultimately though it may have a sense of foreboding because going into the infinity of <laughs> of the universe is scary uh it, it is ultimately meant to be a positive message um and that you know 
your your alter ego, your uh, blank self can come and can essentially rescue you and bring you to a, another plane of being or, or understanding. Now, I like the idea that my id could save me. <laughs> I wish it would more often than not. Know, either way. <laughs> <laughs> either way. Now, I guess, I guess they. It's time for another season of the Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find the Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. The more interesting sounds like the stuff that happens with Julianne isn't interesting, but just in terms of what you've done with the film and what make, what creates the mystery in the movie is the way the imitation girl functions and develops as a person that we might recognise and can <laughs> cope with the stresses and strains of living on Earth. Like you say, we don't know from what you tell us in the movie whether this is something that's lived for millions of years or has arrived as a speck of dust and appeared as a girl. We, you know, right. we, we just know she materialises and she begins to act on what she finds. Now, mm-hmm. and you make some really interesting choices. For, for one, you have, you have someone who's come back as someone who's the front cover of a, who's, in, who's famous enough to be the front cover of a magazine. So therefore, mm-hmm. they must have some celebrity. And yet, as part of your, as part of your story, you don't, that never becomes part of any dilemma. Um, for, for the imitation. The imitation girl is about finding a point when I don't want I don't want to go into too many details that might spoil things as obviously. But but you know, there's a there's a there's a point, there's a trigger that imitation girl is trying to get to, either consciously yeah. or unconsciously, that helps get to Julianne. You know, we'll leave yeah. it at that. We'll leave it at that. But but then yeah. the journey we go on with the imitation girl is is genuinely fascinating because it's almost like we know from the setup of the film that you and you said it yourself in your synopsis, they're going to reunite. But we're like, how the fuck are they going to reunite? There's, the, there's no, they're not going to walk down the street. That's for certain at this, at what we see so far. And you give us so much, so much misdirection in terms of how it is. Cause you get, you, we get to watch this imitation girl develop and you, you, you land her at a hotel, a motel hotel run by, um, Saki. Is that how I say it? Saki? Uh, Sagi, yes, yes. Played yes. by Nima Jaros, Jarabchi. Jarabchi, yes. I'm a third one, <laughs> Nima, I apologise in advance if that's, if that's remotely wrong. <laughs> and, and, and rather than expel her, he, he, he kind of treats her like she's a vulnerable adult and, right. and allows her to live in his house. Right. Which again, you know, is unusual. It but, is. But it, but it adds to the mystery because she does nothing that would make you want to throw her out. I mean, she's, she's, Correct. And, and you also, you also, and I don't think this is, this is necessarily spot at all, but because the tone of the film wouldn't suggest otherwise, but you don't, it doesn't enter into any exploitative tones or anything like that. It's really about, there's, 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 there's the, um, kind of initial reaction to what she finds. And then there's the human interaction and how that makes her develop, isn't there? Is what you explore. So. Yeah. Yeah. What, what was your thinking behind, I mean, and this is a long way of me getting to the question of what was, what was your thinking about the idea of throwing English and Farsi at her as, as languages to comprehend and learn? 
Yeah. Well, you know, I have to make life as hard as possible for Lauren on set. So <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. Figured I'd throw her a few extra challenges. Uh, no, no. I, that to me is simply a play on the idea of alien. Um, it's it's a little bit of my politics getting involved for sure. Um, I am Iranian American, so that's kind of a accessible um, accessible culture, the language, all these things that are interesting to me, but. I really wanted to use this as an opportunity to explore the idea of otherness, um, mm-hmm. that they are, they themselves are also strangers in a strange land, that they are also adapting, um, that they are also away from where they come from. Um, and that to me just, just was really fascinating to see these two meetings of these essentially two, um, strangers in a strange land. Um, yeah. and that's how that kind of triangle happened. Um, absolutely. I think, um, part of it was, uh, wanting to show, um, wanting to show immigrants in a way that we haven't really seen, um, in a context where there's not really any reason why they have to be Iranian. Um, they could be a million different things, but they are, Mm -hmm. that's country. That's our nation. Um, absolutely. An alien could land and end up with a Taiwanese family, you know, absolutely. Um, so that's, that's definitely part of it. Um, and I, I also think the, to get, to get a little into it, um, there is something about Persian culture, um, Iranian culture, Persian culture, that is this very complex marriage of um, sort of divine beauty, a love for beauty, a love for pleasure, a love for beautiful things, uh, combined with a lot of darkness and a lot of sadness, a lot of history. Um, and that that kind of contradiction that you know, a culture and a person can feel both of those things at the same time um, is something that really fascinates the imitation creature. And that's kind of one of the things she's really trying to figure out with this, with these people um, is sort of how do, how do you live with this complexity? How do you live with this contradiction? And that's something that I just think is beautiful and fascinating about Persian culture. Um, so that's, that's also why I wanted to kind of bring that in. I thought that that could give us a lot of really interesting moments, a lot of interesting conversations as we bring this alien into, into our culture, into our world, um, that that was going to give us a lot of fruit <laughs> to play with. No, no, that makes, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. And, and it, it's, it, and it's, it's your prerogative to sort of put that up front and center, you know, as, mm-hmm. as the person making it. Um, and, 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 and like you say, it, 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 it just is as opposed to, it, you, you, those moments of pointing fingers at the audience, going, "Listen, listen to this. This is this is what Persian culture is about. This is this is what Iran's about." It's just it's just saying, "Yeah, the alien could have landed here because America is a country full of people from everywhere, it is including, including aliens and including." New but not, our government likes it. We are diverse. <laughs> we yeah. are here. We are no. a multicultural country. Yeah, and so that's it's just it's all possible, you know. No, I mean it's it, it's going to sound like a crass comparison because totally it's a very different movie, but. But Joe Lynch made a similar point about his casting of um, in Mayhem of Steve Yuen in the lead character. He said, you know, originally the screenplay was written for a Caucasian. Of course. So when they went to casting, he he just cast a non-Caucasian, but didn't. But the script didn't change. So it became exactly the points made by who's there, not not by what the person says. And I guess I guess you're saying there's a similar thing going on here that 
this this invitation yeah. girl could could arrive anywhere, and it could just be a motel run by an Iranian brother sister, you know, and that would be unusual in reality. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I, and I think we all have to we we do have to go out of our way. I, I really applaud Joe for doing that. I think it's fabulous. And Steve is an awesome actor. I mean, I was, I was like, this is great. I really want to watch this now because he's yeah. in it. <laughs> um, absolutely. I, I think that's very important. And the truth is, this is the world that we live in. Um, you know, I, I, you walk down the streets of Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, whatever, you know, New Mexico, Albuquerque, There, it's not one fucking type of person on the street, you know? Mm. So films need to reflect the reality that we live in. Um, and this is my reality. <laughs> so there it is. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. So, so, so with, with that, with the, with, with the sort of, um, this being important to you from a culture, from a, from a cultural identity point of view of yourself, what was the, what were the casting like for, 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 um, for Nima and, um, Sanam, yeah. Sanam. Was, were they people you already knew or was that you looking out to the, to the, uh, so we went through a long casting process, actually, um, and talked to a lot of different people. Um, I, I definitely spoke with some incredible non-Iranian actors. So, um, you know, Middle Eastern, but not specifically Persian. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think in the end, it was just I, I, you really I really wanted people who were were Persian. Um, it was important to me to have that, um, which of course it's, there's a pretty relatively small pool of, um, Iranian actors out I was, there. I was imagining that's what, what I was thinking of in my question is that. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I did know Nima. Nima and I had known each other sort of peripherally for a few years, actually. I had worked with a few of his, um, his buddies and we had always kind of heard about each other. <laughs> like, mm. Oh, you got to meet Nima. He's the Persian guy. You got to meet the <laughs> Persian guy. You know, <laughs> Uh, and then we were actually at a party. I think we were at some sort of holiday party and I was telling him about the project and he was like, you know, I'd love to read for this. And, and I was like, oh, you totally should. <laughs> and then his tape just blew me away. He, he um, taped himself doing the monologue uh, that he has in the film um, that is uh, based on a true story, actually. And, uh, and I, I just loved his tape so much. Was, okay, he's, this is it. He's, he's my guy. Uh, and then Sanam similarly um, had worked with a few of my friends and we also met <laughs> at an event. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, I was like, oh, you're, you're lovely. You're great. You know, why don't you send in a tape? You know, I'd love to see whatever. And same thing. Her tape was just gorgeous. And um, they're both such lovely, lovely, lovely giving people that, uh, you know, what's, what's there not to love is that, okay, this is done. The search is over. <laughs> they're there. What would, what do you think was, um, in terms of obviously being being a being a, a low budget movie where obviously resources and finances are, are finite as opposed to infinite, yeah. what <laughs> what what do you what what do you consider to be a kind of rabbit out of the hat in terms of what you achieved in the production of this film? Where where did you you know where were you scrabbling around and like you know what are we going to do what are we going to do and then boom it hits you you've got it and uh, that's a great question yeah. Um... Well, uh, again, it's all about the team. It's all about the crew. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, having just phenomenal people around you is how you get a nice product. <laughs> for yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. So the very get go, having the team is, is, is a huge win for us. It's a huge win. Um, I would say next, uh, finding Albuquerque, finding New Mexico was huge for us. Um, 
the film commission there was incredibly welcoming. They treated us as though we were, you know, a big studio movie. So they were a huge win for us. Um, those landscapes, all those things. A lot of this was captured on the Zia Pueblo. Um, so it's, it's actually reservation land. Wow. And, okay. um, so they welcomed us. Um, the tribe was just amazing. So accommodating, uh, you know, found just, oh, hey, you want to see something cool, would drive us out. So a lot of those locations are just, you know, cool people, <laughs> the Zia people saying, oh, this is a really beautiful view. You should check this out. So that, again, is, is huge, being open to these kind of things that come to you. Uh, in New York, I would say, again, the casting, finding just these incredible, um, you know, a lot of these actors come from television and they just are so... Um, emotionally available and down to be scrappy and all that. So those guys. And then um, I would also say, you know, last but not least, we had the incredible Jeff Farley, who is a, um, a prosthetics artist and he created our alien creature that appears at the end. <laughs> um, it's brief, but to me, just having that kind of quality of, um, of, of SFX is just great. And Jeff again was like, so, so open, so excited. Um, so just the enthusiasm of all the people, I, I think, really is 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 what makes it you know look the way it looks. Cool, cool. Tell tell if you can tell me a story from being on set that only those that were on set would know. So just give us an insight <laughs> into so, into into something, some incident or another that that, that, uh, oh. that stays with you from the shoot. Well, well, there's, there's two. Um, the one fun fact is, uh, I'm sure people will notice that the, um, the shopkeeper, the soggy character, Nima's character has casts on both of his hands. Um, and that in fact is because he broke both of his hands about four days before we were supposed to leave for New Mexico. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> So he gives me a call. He goes, okay, Natasha, don't be mad, <laughs> but. <laughs> So he's he's broken both of his hands. So that that was that was a very exciting afternoon uh, where we were kind of trying to figure out, okay, do we push? Do we, you know, I don't want to recast. He's the guy. So kind of making those decisions. And um, the sister was actually supposed to be disabled. So she was supposed to have a bad leg um, in the film. <laughs> and we decided to change it uh, just because it would be a little absurd to have you know, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of a, a fun little thing. Um, that is no, that is amazing as a, as a kind of and, and it, it, it never sees. I mean, like I say, I've done 250 of these podcasts and it never ceases to amaze me. The filmmakers, <laughs> you say, two days before we're about to shoot, yeah, whammo, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, chaos reigns. Uh, the, the film gods must have their sacrifice, it always something will always happen. Um, so that was that. And then, uh, I, I don't know, I, this is more of a props to Lauren, but she actually was sick with the flu for basically our, in, the entirety of the New York City portion, mm -hmm. uh, which, which I actually think is great. She looks really different and really miserable. <laughs> <laughs> so she was actually working through the flu, um, through that entire thing, which is why, uh, most of the, um, the kissing and the intimate scenes, uh, we don't really see a lot of mouth to mouth kissing. <laughs> <laughs> really? Because she was so deathly ill <laughs> that we didn't want to infect uh, infect our lovely actors. So it's a little behind the scenes, uh, little logistics. Uh, that's, that's, in that's fascinating. No, fascinating. Now, I mean, I'll, I'll echo something I said when, in, in the review I wrote about your movie in the sense that um, 
that Fright Fest every year now, it seems that there's, 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 there's these sort of outliers in terms of what you would, what you'd expect in terms of, yeah. you know, traditional or Catholic taste horror. And yeah. we've had, uh, they look like people, which, you know, mm-hmm. is a guy fearing, you know, the invasion of, of, of aliens. And really yeah. it's a, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a man with mental health issues and his friend lets him live out his delusion. There was, right. man, there was man underground last year, which a really gentle tale about the breakdown of a conspiracy theorist, you know? Yeah. 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 And, and, and I would, and I would put your film in that, in that camp, if that's okay. Cause I think. Um, Worse. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> because because it, it, it's it's sort of um, you because you 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 buy away from what we might be expecting. There's 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 a it's almost like you're you're telling like a modern like folk tale in a way, you know, like a fairy tale rather than which is still fantasy and horror, isn't it? You know, it's but but yeah, you, definitely more fantasy than horror. Um, fairy tale is how I like to describe it completely. Um, sort of a sci-fi fairy tale. I think somebody called it a feminist fairy tale, which is my new favorite phrase. <laughs> would you, um, would you, do you, so that get the, the, you agree with that, that as, a, as an observation? Yeah, 100%. I think, um, you know, I really, I really think Paul and, and the whole Fright Fest people, um, I just really appreciate them um, being so welcoming to our little film because it is different. And mm. I was, I wasn't really quite sure what to expect because it's called Fright Fest, right? And there's not that much frightening things that happen in our film. Um, I mean, I guess emotionally frightening, maybe. <laughs> well, no, because it's interesting because I'm speaking to you after the event because last year and the year before, I spoke to the guys behind the other two films I mentioned. And, and it was almost like I was coaching them to go, no, it's all right. People in Fright Fest, they'll dig this. Don't worry, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was just really struck by the response. Um, I think a lot of women um, responded to the film as well, which is very cool. And I, I, I am sure that that's part of the push. Um, you know, again, I think it was like three feature directors were female this year. Yeah, and yeah. the number is just not, it's pathetic. I mean, we really need to get that up. Um, and being at Fright Fest and seeing how many women were there and just are, are so into genre and, and horror and fantasy and all those things um, was, was really very inspiring. Um, so I really have to thank Paul and, and Alan and everybody for, for having us because we are, we are an outlier. Absolutely. Well, I mean, as, and it is, but it, but it, but it all, all together an enjoyable film um, outlier or not. Um, <laughs> But I think that's what a lot of fest- the festival needs that mix because if the festival was a load of sledgehammers hitting the face, it would it wouldn't be a very good festival. Um, yeah, I agree. Would be my <laughs> would be my feelings. Well, thank you very much for uh, giving us your time on. Uh, thank you so on, much. On the Brooklyn yes, program. thank thank you for uh, coming to see the film, and um, I love hearing your thoughts on it. It definitely uh, it gives me a lot of ideas for future work, and I just it's been such a pleasure hearing how everyone has responded and. Uh, it's just been great. So thank you very much. And and just just one last thing for those people that that weren't at Fright Fest that might be listening, is that is there any is there any opportunities that you can see where this where your film will be available to see in Britain again? Yes. So um, in Britain, what will be online hopefully um, around February or March of next year. Um, we're just kind of ironing out some details now, but we will be on online platforms, um, which will be available. Mm-hmm. Well, congratulations on that front. And I guess Thank you've you. got, I guess you've got a few more festivals on the horizon going into the rest of the year or 
do. So far confirmed. Um, we are unfortunately in the States. I would love to be back in the UK. <laughs> we'll see. Um, we'll be playing in uh, Boston actually later this week. And then we will be in Philadelphia later this month. And uh, people can stay tuned. They can follow us at Ilium Pictures um, to get updates uh, throughout the rest of the year uh, for future festivals. Brilliant. Well, look, thanks very much. Thank you so much. You have been listening to The Brinflix Fright Fest Preview Podcast. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. You did so.